From Cowork 591 Studios, this is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest, and this is the Jessup News for December 26th. This week we are sponsored by Reyes Concrete Service, 509 Franklin Street, Jessup, Iowa. Their number is 319-939-9225. If you get a chance and support our sponsors, they are great supporters of the Steve Brown Arts Center. Our second sponsor tonight is the Littleton Lounge. Their hours are 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily. They're located at 511 State Street. It's called Independence, but they're, they're in Littleton as well. And our third sponsor is the Littleton Chatham Historical Society. The Littleton and Chatham Historical Society strives to accurately document, promote, and preserve the history of the Littleton and Chatham area to cultivate interest and educational understanding for future generations. I'm excited to talk about these three sponsors are also going to sponsor the first Littleton Day. It will be July 29th. It's a Saturday, and it will be from about 11 in the morning to about 9 at night. The Steve Brown Arts Center, along with Another 501c3 that uh, we don't want to talk, we don't want to speak of yet. We're we're in negotiations with them. Um, are going to, are going to join with these sponsors, and we're going to have a couple of bands. We're going to have some food trucks. We're going to have free watermelon. We're going to uh, barbecue a hog, and. It's going to be a fundraiser for the Steve Brown Arts Center, but it's also going to be a day to celebrate Littleton. So again, support our sponsors, Reyes Concrete Service, the Littleton Lounge, and the Littleton Chatham Historical Society. Also, we are working to add two other shows to our podcast network in the coming months, a music podcast and stories from River Road Boulevard. We we've done the first episode for for stories from River Road Boulevard. We just haven't put it out on the on the World Wide Web yet. Um, we have our first musicians coming in December 28th next week, and we are going to uh, put those in the can and allow you to listen to those. Probably be early January. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It is offering community programming in Jessup before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming includes a community speaker series that will or that showcases existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that spotlights and partners with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Here is a, a special announcement to the first person that either text messages me at 319 290 
or emails me at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com. You will win a Joe's Pizza. That's a Joe's Pizza. And you have to tell me that you heard about the Littleton Day, Littleton Watermelon Day, July 29th. So that's the first person that tells, that contacts me about the Littleton Watermelon Day, July 29th. Now the news in the city report. The city met December 19th, 2022. They, they had citizen input. They had their departmental reports. And the old, old business first reading of an ordinance amending co- a code, Chapter 69, regarding parking regulations in Jessup. There was a, there's a possible waiver of second and third reading amending an ordinance amending chapter 69 regarding parking regulations and the final adoption of an ordinance amending code amending chapter 69 regarding parking regulations. They're talking about a street over by Quickstar over there. I believe they're amending parking regulations over there. Some of the new business that they spoke of on Monday night um, was the engineering agreement with Fair Graham Tennis. Looking at the tennis courts, you have to remember they were talking about putting a building on the tennis courts on the northwest side of the school up there by the bus garage. They need a place to put the industrial tech students as they build the new tech building and the new auditorium. There's a resolution ordering Young and 8th Street utility and street improvements and 220th Street sanitary sewer extension project and fixing date for hearing theron and taking of quotes, therefore. They set public hearings for disposition of property alley between 3rd and 4th Street south of Douglas Street. The city no longer takes care of that alley. It's over there just off of Fifth Street, or off off of Fifth Street, um, the alley between Third and Fourth Street, and and they were to adjourn. So it would have been a short meeting. In library news, Little Tot story time meets every Thursday at 10:30 a.m. Join us for songs, stories, and more. The Spice Club. Each month we we feature a new spice to pick up a take home kit that includes the spice information on its history and uses and recipes to try. The December Spice is Saigon Cinnamon. Get used today at Jessup Public Library. I see uh, there's some out here on the table at Cowork 591 Studios. There's uh, it, What it is is a mixture of Czech mix uh, out here. I haven't had a chance to try that yet. I will try that before I leave the building tonight. Check us out. The JPL is more than books. We have several new items available for checking out, including craft stamps and candy malts. We also have magazines, newspapers, cake pans, puzzles, games, STEM activity bags, cookie cutters, DVDs, a soap-making kit, and more. We can also request materials from other libraries and no charge through our interlibrary loan system. We're so, we're so fortunate. Closed for the holidays, JPL will be closed Friday, December 23rd through Monday, December 26th for Christmas. And again, Friday, December 30th through Monday, January 2nd for New Year's Happy Holidays. Gift ideas? 
Calling all coffee lovers. Drinking coffee can help support the JPL. We have teamed with the Velvet Coffee Company to offer you a special bookworm blend. A portion of every purchase benefits the Jessup Public Library. You can also purchase it in other blends online at www.velvetcoffeeco.com. And don't forget to stay hydrated. A 30-ounce Polar Camel water bottle with a JPL logo is available for purchase online. Scan the QR code at the library to order. The Jessup Library has a large number of Christmas books on display ready to check out. Friends of the Jessup Public Library is welcoming new members. The nonprofit support organization improves the services and resources of the library, promotes citizen involvement in the community, and hosts a fundraising event to offer programs resources for all ages. Membership forms are available in the library. The JPL Endowment Fund was established to ensure the longevity of materials and resources for the community. We're growing this fund to positively impact current and future patrons of the library. Incentives are provided for contributions to the fund, which are deductible to the maximum extent permissible under current tax law. Financial advisor or attorney can help you make the best decisions for your funds to benefit the JPL. Library donations, it's easy to make a donation at the library. Cash gifts give immediate support because provide future support for the library. And memorial gifts serve as a special tribute for a loved one. 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten, the 1,000 Books Before Kindergarten program at the JPL is designed to be simple and encourage making reading a daily habit. Sign up at the library to receive a log to, to record your child's first 100 books or use the 1,000 books before kindergarten app available in your app store on the iTunes. At Cowork Studios, Cowork 591 and Jessup Caps invite you to their variety show Sunday, January 8th at 3 p.m. Location is right here at 591 Young Street. Come support Coworks 591 and JCAPS. Seats limited to the first 50 people, free will donations, refreshments will be provided. Don't forget the Christmas charcuterie was this last Thursday, so it would have been today, or excuse me, tomorrow. Um, it'd be interesting to, to find out how many people they had, how many boards they had for that. Another CAPS announcement, Jake CAPS presents the Jessup CAPS Showcase. Curious about what the CAPS associates have been up to? Stop by the showcase Wednesday, January 11th, 2 to 4 p.m. at Coworks 591. That's at 591 Young Street in Jessup. Refreshments are provided. Also, in the month of January, there's one week of free use of Cowork 591 until the end of 2022. If you are interested, either stop by at 591 Young Street in Jessup, Iowa, or contact Kelly at www.coworks591.com. She'll get you set up. As school is uh, closing for the holidays, we don't have a lot of announcements this uh, week. Unfortunately, we have three obituaries to go through. 
The first one is John Herbert McIntosh, 90 years old, of Duncan, Iowa, died Wednesday, December 14, 2022, at his home. John was born October 4, 1932, in Blackhawk County, Iowa, son of Bernard and Elizabeth Boyd McIntosh, following graduation from Duncan High School in 1950. He worked on the family farm. John then entered the U.S. Army, serving from 1953 to 1955. On April 21st, 1957, he was united in marriage to Juanita Kleckner Swinford at the First Baptist Church in Dungerton. He was a farmer and a lifelong member of the First Baptist Church in Dungerton. John is survived by three sons and two daughters, James and Pat McIntosh, John and Gretchen McIntosh, and Anita and Dave Clayman, Matthew Chrissy McIntosh, Matthew and Chrissy McIntosh, Jorge Ann Swinford, also 17 grandchildren, 28 grandchildren, and two step-grandchildren, and four step-great-grandchildren. He is preceded in death by his wife, Juanita, also his parents, one son, Dwayne Earl Swinford, one daughter, Catherine Swinford, one great-granddaughter, Everly McIntosh, one great-grandson, Canaan McIntosh, and one brother, William. Dion L. Moore, Sr., 64 years old, died on Thursday, December 15, 2022, at his home in Hazleton. He was born on August 26, 1958, in Waterloo, Iowa, the son of Sherman and Marlene Mary Burgett Moore. He attends school in Independence, Iowa. Mr. Moore was a mechanic and did automotive body work. He retired in 2016. For, for the last 15 years, he and Effie Maxine Moore have made a life together. He called her as his wife. He enjoyed fishing and drawing. He also enjoyed traveling with his friends on their motorcycle. Mr. Moore is survived by his wife Maxine, six children, Latasha and Chad Cookingham, Amanda Hernandez, Lorinda Moore, Derek Moore, Dion Moore and Quincy Moore, ten grandchildren and one great-grandchild. He is also survived by four brothers, Stuart Young of Waterloo, Iowa, Brock Young of Waverly, Iowa, Jesse Young of Waterloo, Iowa, and Craig and Nancy Coventry of Independence, and four sisters, Carletta, husband Dale Ginther of Jessup, Iowa, and Jean husband Jerome Wilson of Waterloo, Iowa, and Cheryl Kane and Michelle Rose, both of Independence. He was preceded in death by his parents, his grandmother, Phyllis Coventry Hookham, one sister and two brothers. The third obituary we have is Florence G. Dittmer, 92, of rural Waterloo, Iowa, died Saturday, December 17, 2022, at Unity Point. Allen Memorial Hospital in Waterloo. Florence was born February 14th, a Valentine's baby, in 1930 in Black Hawk County. The daughter of Frank and Josephine Aaron Shares. She attended country school around Gilbertville on, on September 27, 1949. She was united in marriage to Alvin Vetus Dittmer at Immaculate Conception Catholic Church. They farmed near Raymond. And after their family was raised, Florence became an Avon sales representative for 20 years and worked as a hostess 
at the Burger King restaurant on LaPorte Road in Waterloo for 27 years. She also volunteered in the gift shops at Allen Hospital. She was a member of the St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Raymond. Florence is survived by two daughters, Gloria Kurt Milky of Kiyosakwa, Iowa, Wanda Dittmer of Waterloo, two sons, William, his wife Mary Dittmer of rural Jessup, Joseph, his wife Sandy Dittmer of Shelby Township, Michigan, eight grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren, one great-great-granddaughter, one sister-in-law, Arlene Shares, one brother-in-law, Al Schmeiser. In addition to her husband, Al, who died October 29, 2016, Florence was preceded in death by her parents, one daughter, Joyce Dittmer, in infancy, one son, Richard Dittmer, five brothers, Norbert, wife Leona Shares, Louis, Maxine, and Maxine Shares, Jerome, wife Marine Shares, Kenneth, wife Marine, Marla, Marla Shares, and Adam Shears. Also seven sisters, Henrietta, husband Fred Simons, Teddy, husband Howard Brayfogle, Blanche, husband Ben Shears, Agnes, husband Hank Schnell, and Rosalie Schmeiser. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest, and this is the Jessup News. We are coming to you from Cowork 591 Studios, and tonight I'd like to tell you a story about... Uh, the infamous D.B. Cooper. It was Thanksgiving Eve of 1971, and in a miracle, my father and mother didn't have to work on the same evening. And we were sitting watching the NBC Evening News, and they came on, and one of the lead stories was an airplane was hijacked out of Portland, Oregon. Now you have to remember it was the 1960s and early 70s and it was not uncommon for an aircraft in our country to be hijacked. The majority of them were hijacked and went to Cuba. There were many underground groups in our country at the time and one example was the Sibianese Liberation Army that came about just on the end of them in the, in the 1980 or 1970s was, a, was the latest one where they kidnapped Patty Hearst. That is another story we'll tell another night. But I'd like to tell you tonight about um, the man D.B. Cooper. He was an unidentified man who hijacked Northwest Orient Airline Flight 305, a Boeing 727 aircraft operated by Northwest Orient Airline, November 24, 1971. It was the Thanksgiving Eve. During the flight from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington, the hijacker told a flight attendant he was armed with a bomb. He demanded $200,000 in ransom. That value today of the $200,000 would be about $1.4 million today. He requested four parachutes upon landing in Seattle. After releasing the passengers in Seattle, 
The hijacker instructed the flight crew to refuel the aircraft and begin a second flight to Mexico City with refueling stop in Reno, Nevada. Approximately 30 minutes after taking off from Seattle, the hijacker opened the aircraft's aft door, that's that back door on a 727. He deployed the staircase and parachuted into the night over southwestern Washington. Now, you have to remember Washington in November, late November of the year is wet, cold, windy, rainy. The, the plane was flying a little over 1,000 feet up, and, and a Boeing 727 is not meant to fly at that altitude for a long for a long period of time. He opened the door and bailed out. Now in 1980, this is nine years later, a small portion of the ransom money, about $500, was found along the banks of the Columbia River. The, the discovery of the money renewed public interest in the mystery about D.B. Cooper. Now a little bit about D.B. Cooper. This man walked in to Portland, and he bought a one-way ticket to Seattle. Now, then it was no big deal. The hijackers of 9-11 also bought one-way tickets, and anymore it sets off a lot of alarms if anybody buys a one-way ticket. Well, he bought a one-way ticket, and and boarded the, the airplane under the name of Dan Cooper. Now, he looked like he was about a 43-year-old man with a receding hairline, skinny. He had on a black suit with skinny, skinny black tie and a white shirt. When he hijacked the plane, he, he had a briefcase, and he gave one of the flight attendants a note, and the flight attendant was tired, so she, she just took the note and put it in her pocket. And he said to her, I think you better read that note. And the note read, I have a bomb and I want, I want money or I'm going to blow up this airplane. And Cooper told the flight attendant to sit down by him and he started drinking whiskey and 7-Up and joking with the flight attendant. The flight attendant said, I, w I want to see your bomb. And he opened up his briefcase and what looked like four sticks of dynamite and a timing mechanism was attached to it and he shut it and the lady believed him. So as he jumped into the night that November 24, 1971, the search was on. The Seattle police, or the Seattle State Police, the FBI, because he had robbed, he had robbed banks, and that's federal crime, were searching for him. And he, and he had jumped into, people don't think, think he knew where he was jumping, but as they, as they were flying, he kept talking to the 
flight attendant saying, well, that's Seattle down there, and that's Portland down there, and that's this city down there, and that's this city down there. He knew where he was. They jumped out, and they spent the next week dredging up rivers, looking in the woods, and they never found it. And for 45 years, the FBI spent looking for D.B. Cooper. Scores of people have come forward and said they were D.B. Cooper who have, or admitted on their deathbed they were, that they were D.B. Cooper. But all of the money had a, I believe it was a net. The serial number started with an L. It was something like that. So it was all the serial numbers of the bills they gave him were specifically logged, and if any of those serial numbers were to be seen, they were to contact the FBI. Yep, and the the only money they ever found was that money they found in in the the river nine years later on a sandbar. Now, some people argued that D.B. Cooper buried the money on that river and forgot where he buried it or couldn't find it. Other other people claim that he died somewhere in the rain and the wind, but Cooper Cooper was never never found. But if you get a chance to read about the story of D.B. Cooper, it's quite it's quite the story. And and uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, Blake know the story of D.B. Cooper. Not a lot of people your age know of D.B. Cooper. This is Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. And just a few updates. Reminder, in January, we are hopefully going to put out some of the mu- music podcasts uh, as uh, I, will, I will be gone um, in part of January. And we, we, we at the Arts Center want to make sure that, that we give you l- some listening experiences. February... Um, along with the help of Kara Masteller, we want to do the Jessup Story Corps. And we, we are still looking for people to do that. Remember, the Story Corps is an American nonprofit organization whose mission is to record, preserve, and share the stories of Americans from all backgrounds and beliefs. Story Corps grew out of the Sound Portraits Productions as a project founded in 2003 by radio producer David Isey. Its headquarters are located in Fort Greene neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York. In February, on February 25th, we are going to have uh, Marion artist Barb Prawl at Cowork 591 Studios. Barb is truly for everyone uh, when it comes to art. Artist Barb Prowl is letting people know that there is a gallery of wonderful art for sale that features watercolor, oil on canvas, and more. Barb's fine art is located at 7088 6th Street, Marion, Iowa. Barb Prowl has been painting and drawing professionally for years, and her talents can now be shared by buying a piece of her art or taking an instructional class that she provides. She holds workshops and classes all the time, so be sure to visit her website or give her a call to learn more. When it comes to buying some art, look no further than Barb's Fine Art and a wide selection of excellence to choose from. 
It is, it is sensory overload, overload to go into her studio. Please, if you get a chance, go to her Facebook page or go to her website and look at some of her arts. That's, uh, for more information, you can visit www.barbparall.com. Or you can contact Barb at 319-373-1090. Remember, the Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has visions for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. If you would like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center, you can go to the website at stevebrownartscenter.org. Go to Facebook, Steve Brown Arts Center at S-B-A-C-J-E-S-S-U-P or Twitter at Steve Brown Arts Center at Steve Brown Art C1. If you have news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com or call 319-290-0241 and leave a message. Don't forget, the first person to contact me about Littleton Day July 29th, will win a Joe's Pizza. You can contact me by calling 319-290-0241 or emailing me at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com or text me at 319-290-0241 and leave a message. I'm Jim Gillespie. I'd like to thank our producer, Blake Tempest, Tony Lang, and Kelly Sehas at Cowork 591 Studios. Remember, each day is about little victories.